0: All right, you can go home I'm just kidding, if you don't mind being seated If I could have the house lights on, that would be great Tom, can you bring me, or someone would bring me my Bible How are you all tonight? Praise the Lord, thank you for coming out How many of y'all appreciate Ken and his team? Thank you, man I love you, thank you so much Oh Well, I have about 20 or 30 more minutes with you. Uh, Is that okay? Uh, I'm hoping that I'm not uh, taking up too much of your Sunday evening. I know probably the kids are out of school, and and if you're not in Florida, you're here. Praise (laughs) the Lord. Somebody said, uh, today I was in Battle Creek, and they said, how many of you are glad that you live here and not Florida. I guess the weather was nice. And then I stood up because I live in Laguna Beach, and I said, well, "I'm not glad I, don't, I live in Florida. I'm glad I live in California." Amen. <laughs> Florida's sticky and humid. California is where all the cool people are. Okay. Anyway, uh, so anyway, thank you. That's my way of saying thank you for being here. Um, one of the major difficulties that happen in our lives is when we allow secondary things to become the main thing, and the main thing to become secondary things. So what happens to our spiritual existence when and and the way we function in life when, and our efficiency and effectiveness as Christ followers, what happens when what's primary becomes secondary and what's secondary becomes primary? What that translates into is a life that's lived weighed down and having misses that cause messes. How many of you know that whenever we have a mess in our life, you can trace it back to a miss or a sin? So sin and weightiness, the Bible categorizes those two things as a uh, as an entanglement. It's like you get caught in a cobweb of, uh, in a spider web of situations in life that are weighing you down. They're entangling you. You're like trying, you're in a ball of string and you're trying to get yourself loose and, you're, and you've got Jesus on the inside of you, but you can't get loose. And the more you struggle, the tighter the hold becomes. And, and this is the result of not keeping the main thing the main thing. So, The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, since we have this great, so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, which means you're not the only ones who have had to have a breakthrough. That this is a, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, I'm gonna give you a blueprint, I'm gonna give you a roadmap out of the entanglement of carrying what you weren't manufactured by God to carry, and to navigate what you weren't manufactured by God to navigate. How many of you know we were not called to navigate sin? Amen. And we were not called to carry what's not ours to carry. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So learn. Learn from me. I'm, look, look, learn from me. Learn what you're supposed to carry and what you're not supposed to carry learn what god's yoke looks like and what isn't god's yoke it's light and it's easy there's nothing about that that's heavy and hard so why is life so heavy and hard because we're not keeping the main thing the main thing so when we don't keep the main thing the main thing life gets hard how how does it how does hard life hard living show up it's heavy and it's messy it's heavy and it's messy So he says, because you're not the only first people that ever gone through heavy, messy things, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us, running with endurance the race that's set before us. In other words, how are you gonna run efficiently and effectively if you are weighed down and in a mess? And the way out of it is keeping the main thing, the main thing. So run with endurance, everybody say endurance. Now endurance, I think I've said this to you before, endurance is the ability and the capacity to continually bear up under difficult circumstances, not with passive complacency, but with a hopeful fortitude that actively resists weariness or defeat. So you got the juice, man, to finish your race. You have the power. It doesn't matter uh, how much difficulty has come your way that you have developed the capacity to continually bear up, or you're able to keep the main thing, the main thing, regardless of what's going on around you. Now, what is the main thing? Verse two, fixing your eyes on Jesus. When we get our eyes off of Jesus, everything else becomes bigger than the one who's supposed to be magnified in our life. amen. When you get your eyes on your pain, your problem, the people, the prognosis, the predicament, or anything else that starts with P, (laughs) you find yourself weighted down and tangled up and in a mess that causes a miss. So the main thing is keeping your eyes, fixing your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of faith. Now I used to think that this said the author and perfecter of my faith. But he is the author, the beginner, and the finisher of all faith. Which says to me that my faith needs to be in his faith, that I'm going to have faith that he's having faith. Get the tape and play it slow, because I don't know what I just said, but I know it's right. Now listen, listen, God, this is bizarre, but you are God's logic. God's logical. He came up with you, so you must be the logic of God. It doesn't make sense to us, but you're God's idea. So you believing that you're God's idea and that God isn't your idea, and you believe that God believed that you would believe that he's able, is faith. I'm not just believing in God, I'm believing that God believed that I believed, that he was able. It's the originator, the starter and the finisher of faith not in my faith, but putting my faith in his faith that I'm gonna have faith that his faith is enough for me to get me through anything that I'm facing in my life. Amen, somebody? All God wants is to be believed. He wants us to believe him with our money and our marriages and our relationships and for our health. All God cares about, man, is he just, he just wants somebody to believe him. We've been preached into the ground that all God wants, us, uh, wants from his people is to behave, and all God really wants is for us to believe. Because if we believe, how we believe is how we behave. We don't need to preach against sin. We need to preach for believing. I can't get no amen from nobody on that side. You're looking at me like, What? No, I'm not going to come here and beat you down about your behaviors. Your behaviors are connected to your believing. How you believe is how you behave. If someone believes that adultery's okay, they'll behave it. If somebody believes, that robbing God is okay, they won't tithe. I'm gonna go over here. (laughs) If somebody believes that unforgiveness need not be part of our life except for this situation, then we'll invent a rationale that gives us permission to not forgive. See, how we believe is how we behave. The Pharisees go to Jesus, how do we work the works of God? How do we work this thing? Jesus said, believe don't work it's a it's a gift now am i giving you permission to sin no i'm giving you permission to be so in love with jesus that you don't want to sin Amen. Right. Right. let me tell you something i've been married to Danielle for 37 years exactly wow. exactly, wow. exactly. Wow. 37 years i've been with her for 39 years and i've been there every minute of it and thank you for your prayers because they're working. And in 37 years of marriage, my marital therapy is almost complete, (laughs) amen? In fact, when we got married, she told my parents, I'll take it from here, (laughs) amen? She's gonna finish raising me. And so, yeah, (laughs) so I remember when we first got together, so weird to think of it now. I probably should get back to this when I get home but we used to just look in each other's eyes for like 20 minutes just looking in her eyes Shh, no don't talk don't talk oh my god you have a brown eye and a blue eye i don't even care <laughs> no you just you just there was nothing in me that said oh i want to be unfaithful to her i want to be mean to her i want to lie to her i want to cheat I wanna hold back, I wanna hold out. I need to be suspicious, I need to be careful. I was so in love with her that none of that entered my contemplation. All I cared about was, wow, how did I get this beautiful beach blonde to fall for this ghetto kid? I gotta snatch this chick up before she wakes up. (laughs) Amen, somebody? You know how God had to put Adam to sleep to get him married? I had to put Daniil to sleep to get her married, praise the Lord. So, it's the same way with Jesus. If we will just be in love with him, if we'll just point God's people to being in love with his praise continually being in our mouth, we don't have to preach against sin, because you won't want to. You feeling me? God, Jesus, okay, let me say this. Everybody say, keep the main thing. The main thing so Jesus is in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with, with God and in verse 14 of John 1 it says and then the word became flesh right the word became flesh so words become sentences become paragraphs become conversations so Jesus is the personification of God's conversation about you do you love me, God? Look at Jesus. He had you in one hand, Jesus in the other hand. He says, I'm gonna sacrifice Jesus for them. That's God's conversation. He's not mad at you, he's mad about you. Do you wanna heal me? Well, Jesus said, by your stri- by my stripes you were healed. That's God's conversation. Every time you need an answer, God's words who are personified in Christ, answers your question. That's why Jesus is the answer, because he answers with the word of God. He is the word made flesh. Why is he made into flesh? How many know what a parable is? A parable, like when you go to Europe, they have 220 in, uh electrical current outlets. And we have 110 in America, so if you take your curling iron, I don't know what you men take, but I always take my curling iron, anyway, just kidding. So you take your curling iron to Europe, and you plug it in. If you plug it in to 220 and it's geared for 110, it melts. So God had to take Jesus and convert him into flesh so that God would melt us down. And so that's the conversation so god sent jesus so we would know what he was thinking and saying about you and me So anytime you ever are concerned about your standing with God, God's love for you, is God mad at you? Does God hold out on you? Just look at Jesus. Did he hold out on you? No, he sent the darling of heaven and bankrupt heaven so you and I could have connection with God. Why would you think that he would hold back if God didn't spare his own son? How is it that with him he won't give you all things? That's God's conversation. Jesus is God's conversation. What happens when we get our eyes off of Jesus? Jesus. It gets heavy, it gets messy. So if you're good at being the devil, you're going to introduce distractions to God's people that try to get their focus off of Jesus onto something else. If you're good at being the devil, you're, gonna, you're going to introduce distractions that are demonic that keep God's people's eyes onto other things besides Christ. So I want to start preaching my message now And I I want to entitle this, keeping the main thing the main thing, five demonic mindsets whose assignment is to distract you from the main thing. That's a long title, but you get it. So let's look at John chapter 9, and let's go quickly in the next few moments. You all with me? (sighs) Verse 1. It says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man that was blind from birth and his disciples, everybody say disciples. Now look at me for a moment, there's five people groups, I'm not mad at any, all of these people groups are precious people, except maybe the Pharisees. But I'm not labeling any of these people as bad because some of them, they just didn't know but they were under the influence of a spirit that was distracting people's focus off of Jesus and their own focus off of Jesus. And we got to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father, praying that we would keep him the main thing. So here, the disciples have Jesus with them. They're walking, and there's this this blind man. There was this man that was born blind, and they said to him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he should be born blind. And Jesus answered, he said, it was neither this man that sinned nor his parents. This was in order that the work of God, that the glory of God, that the goodness of God might be displayed in him. So the first spirit... The first demonic distraction that hits people is the one that got on the disciples, and I want to call it the spirit of analyzation or the paralysis of analysis. This is what happens when people, huh? this is what happens when, when the demonic agenda, not flesh and blood, but a spiritual activity causes a distraction off of Jesus. People want to become sin sheriffs. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? You've got Jesus standing next to you, and what you're, why didn't you say Jesus sick him and heal him? Instead of being, instead of letting the healing power of the Lord Jesus operate, they're trying to figure out, they're trying to get questions answered that nobody's asking. It's the spirit of analysis. Let me just tell you something. Doesn't matter when you find out whose fault it is. You spend $175 an hour laying on a psychiatrist's couch trying to figure out whose fault it is. Here, let me just clear it up. It's your dad's fault. Now everybody give me 175 bucks. come on somebody. When you find out whose fault it is, it doesn't matter when you, when you locate blame, it only matters that you understand that it may not be your fault, but it's always your fight of faith. And so who sinned? See, the the worst thing that we could do is spend time with Jesus trying to identify sins of people. It's not our responsibility to be sin sheriffs. It's our responsibility to model and reflect the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Repentance. Goodness and mercy follow me and goodness leads me. I'm sandwiched in between the goodness of God. Come on, somebody. David said, I would have despaired if I didn't believe that I would see the goodness of God while I was still alive. And here, the spirit of analyzation tries to get in between the work of And Jesus said, look, quit trying to locate whose fault it is and why don't we let the works of God, the setbacks in your life are not because of the sin in your life, they're probably set ups for God to have you blow up in Jesus' name. Amen, somebody? Stop trying to figure out what's wrong with you and start embracing the goodness of God that's been directed toward you. So verse eight the second spirit, first one is the spirit of analyzing. The second spirit gets on the neighbors. The neighbors, therefore, those who previous, see, previously saw this man as a beggar, were saying, "Isn't the one who used, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg?" And others were saying, "Yeah, that's him." And others were saying, "No, it, but it looks like him." And the guy who got healed goes, "I'm the one." And therefore they were saying of him, well, how is it that your eyes got opened? And he said, well, the man who's called Jesus, he made clay, anointed my eyes. He said to me, go to the the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went away and washed, and they came back and I saw, I was seeing. And now this is, people are crazy. The guy has been, the guy received his sight three minutes ago. He's he's been seeing for three minutes. I came back and I see and they said, "Well, well, where is he? What do you where is he? Where is me? Where is you? Who are you? Who am I? I've never seen a tree before. I've never seen a color before. You're asking me directions, and I've been seeing for three minutes. Where is he? I don't know where he is. What do you want me to say? And what's that? That's a girl? Woo! Where is he? How many know that? The devil will make you dumb. Come on, somebody. I'm asking somebody directions that's been able to see for three minutes. Come on, somebody. Where is he? What do you think he's going to say? He said, I don't know where he is. (laughs) The second spirit that got on the neighbors was the spirit of the past. Those who previously saw him as a beggar. This spirit pulls you into a life that is lived according to the perception of others, how others see you. If we see ourselves through the eyes of other people's opinions, and how many of you know that in the Facebook age, everybody has an opinion and they think you're welcoming it? I got off of Facebook. Why? My life is not a Facebook page. Because I put accept doesn't mean we're friends. I can't get no help for nobody. You're looking at me. I, like, like, I do not need somebody that I haven't talked to in 20 years telling me how I offended them 20 years ago. I have new people I'm offending to tell me now. I don't need to wait. <laughs> I got to take a drink because I'm knocking myself out so if we live our life through the perception of others they're going to keep us blind boxed and begging listen precious people we must see ourselves the way god sees us pardoned and pressing toward our purpose with empowerment i'm not divorced bankrupt addicted no i'm free i'm loved i'm empowered i'm accepted in the beloved i belong to god i am marked with the love of christ What are we doing allowing ourselves to be posted all over by people's perceptions? It's a distraction from fixing our eyes on Jesus, the hope of all mankind. Third one, third spirit is verse 13. So they brought to the Pharisees him who was formerly blind. This kills me right here. And it was on the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And again, the Pharisees were also asking him, well, how did you receive his sight? He said, look, he applied clay to my eyes. I washed. I see. And some of the Pharisees were saying, well, this man can't be from God because he healed the guy that was born blind on the wrong day. Now, I don't know about you. But if I'm born blind, I don't care what day you healing me on. Just get these bad boys popped open. Amen, somebody? But the spirit of religion will fabricate violations to get the attention off of what Jesus is pointing at and what his miracles are pointing at onto what they're pointing at. The spirit of religion will... Look, the Bible says that people were saying, "When how can a man that's not from God do such signs, and and because he did it on the wrong day, they were saying Jesus wasn't from God, and there was a division among them. Let me tell you something, every time the spirit of religion operates in an environment, there's a division. People throwing their opinions around instead of looking at what the miracle is pointing at. Listen, the big deal isn't isn't the sign that says Granville, Michigan. You look at the sign, wow granville michigan no the big deal is when you get here when you see you when you eat at logan's steakhouse come on somebody and then you go get dessert at the olive garden and then you go get whatever it's the people it's the place it's not the sign it's what the sign is pointing at it's not the miracle that's the big deal it's that it was pointing to jesus as the messiah And the spirit of religion cannot stand you fixing your eyes on Jesus. So they want you to fix your eyes on some fabricated violation that has absolutely nothing to do with what Jesus is pointing at. Yeah? It's a distraction. Everybody say, Jesus, only, always. It's all about Jesus, man. I mean, you're invited to the table, but you don't bring nothing to the table. I'm glad I'm invited to the table. It's mind-boggling that I'm in the ministry. I just don't know where God's standards went. Or your pastor's discernment for guest speakers. I don't know. But I'm like the dorky guy at the prom. I'm just happy to be here. I don't even have a date. I'm just glad to be here with my tux on, praise the Lord. Verse 18, the next violation, or the next distraction I mean. Verse 18, it says, the Jews therefore did not believe it. Now this is the spirit of unbelief. The Jews didn't believe it. This spirit comes to box you in and keep you living life rehearsing the restrictions. And we've all done this, oh we can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be done. Oh God, it's impossible, oh what? Shoot. That's never gonna happen. Rehearsing the restrictions regurgitating why we can't. We're driving with a U-Haul hooked onto our, whatever you call those little balls on the back of it, what's that called, a hitch. <laughs> a U-Haul full of regrets. I call it the outhouse of regrets, sloshing around, and you pull in, in every relationship it smells because you keep pulling around your unbelief. And people are like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> whoa. What are you doing? I'm not believing over here. Come into agreement with me that it won't ever happen. No. So here, see, unbelief boxes you in. You're living small on the inside. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 and following in the Message Bible says, our mouth, and listen to this, our mouth is spoken freely to you, and our heart is open wide. And you are not restrained by us. The Apostle Paul is saying, You're not restrained by us. It's not what is being taught or being declared or Jesus that is holding you back or dumbing you down. It's that you are restrained which is an inability to live open and expansive, you're restrained in your own inward parts. You're too closed. You're too cheap. You're too small. You're blind. You're boxed. You're begging. You have a big life, but you're living it in a small way. And this is what unbelief does. He says, Our heart is, my heart is open to you, and so my, ma- my mouth is open to you. Now let me sidebar this for a moment. Let me uh, expound on this for just a moment. Open heart, is the, the result of an open heart is an open mouth. And so I learned this early in my marriage that whenever Danielle's mouth was open, her heart was open. <laughs> Except sometimes helpmates can't help but to help. I know you're not saying amen because you're with your wife, and I'm very bold because she's at home right now and I could just let it fly, and they'd be like, Oh yeah, it went great at Vanderclock, so just don't get the tape. But anyway, so so when our, when our wives' hearts are open, their mouths are open, but sometimes they're, they're so used to monitoring the environment, they just are wanting to improve everything and we're just not interested in them improving something at that time. It's just like, can you just stop talking about what's wrong with me some more? Like she gets mad at me because I'm watching the game. So she says, you're ignoring me. I'm not ignoring you. Women have diffuse awareness. They can multitask. Men can do one thing at a time. If I'm watching the game, I'm not ignoring you because that would mean I was doing two things at once. (laughs) Right? Why are you taking everything personal? Why are you taking my focusedness? Why are you taking my maleness personal? I'm watching the game. Get me the big piece of chicken and be quiet. Amen, somebody? I'm writing a book, I know it's gonna be New York bestseller. The three things, that it's for women, the three things that men need. Sex, silence, and sandwiches. That's it, it's a three page book. It's got three words in it. $10 per word, $30, it's gonna be a bestseller. Here ladies, read this. Sex, turn the page, sandwiches, silence, amen. It's the key to successful living so I remember one time she was grinding me about it felt like anyway she thought she was probably sharing uh, how to elevate the efficiency and the beautify the environment and I said Danil Danil you have got to stop talking so like a good wife she obeyed she's like and then one word answers alright I'm sorry I'm sorry hmm. I'm like Everything all right? Fine. We cool? Oh, yeah. In fact, we're cold. We're not just cool, we're cold. And she won't, you know, you're in trouble now. Now that the computer has crashed, How do you reboot that thing? It takes three days and you have to insert floppy disks of jewelry, come on, spa days. I'm just like inserting everything I can to make the computer come back on. And what I learned was, what I learned was if I shut her heart down, I'll shut her mouth down. And as long as she's talking, it don't even matter what she's saying. Jeannie's like, my little intercession's going to go to work right now for this man. The <laughs> pastor's not until I get that wrath and doubting out of that boy. Praise the Lord. But anyway. <laughs> so what I learned was if I can just keep her talking, we could get it fixed. We could get things talked out. But I don't need to tell her to stop talking because if she can't stop talking without first stop loving in her heart toward me. So, men, don't ever tell your wives to be quiet. Amen, I just keep saying, I love your opinion. Just lie to them. Just, I love your opinion. <laughs> tell me whatever. So, so huh, the spirit of unbelief. And then the fifth one was the parents. Verse 18, it says, and the, and the Jews didn't believe it until they called the parents. Now, this kills me right here. I'm almost done. The parents of the one who received the sight. Verse 19, so they questioned the mom and dad and said, is this your son who you say was born blind? And how is it that he now sees? Now, do you understand that this child came out of the mother's womb? They were happy they had a baby and the doctor had to say, healthy baby, except your boy is blind. From Jump Street. Born blind, they make an announcement. They come to the parents that mom is reliving the birth of her son who's born blind. And now he sees, he's seeing. And this spirit that got on them wouldn't even let them rejoice in the miracle that happened to their boy who was born blind. Watch this, watch this. Is this your son? You say he was born blind. And, and how is it that he now sees? And, and so verse 20, it says his parents answered them and said, well, we know that's our son. It's sure enough, he was born blind. But how he now sees, we don't know. Who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age, he'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid. They were afraid that they were gonna be rejected by the country club church. The Jews had already decided, if anyone believed in Jesus, we're throwing them out. This is the spirit of fear. Look at me, precious people, and I'm done. Come on, Ken, wherever you are, please. (sighs) Any decision, if you haven't heard anything I said all night, hear this. Any decision you make with fear in it will not give you a righteous result. You have to make peace before you decide. Well, I was just afraid that this was gonna happen, so I decided that no, 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 no. I was afraid that I was never gonna get married, so I married that guy. Oh, no. I was afraid, so I did this. I was afraid to give to God, so I held back. I was afraid to forgive because I would be hurt again. I was, it, that never gives you the result that you're looking for when fear is in it. The spirit of fear, and I'm about to land this plane, the spirit of fear causes you to be ruled, not by the perception of others, but by the levels of others. Sometimes your promotion in God is the worst possible thing that could happen to people who are close to you. This man got a miracle and his own parents were like, whoa, 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 we don't wanna touch that because they were afraid. Precious people, stay fresh, man. This spirit of fear wants to box you in and prohibit your promotion and disassemble your purpose and there's, there's enough fear around us, my prayer is that we don't let it in us. Fear and unbelief have no place in the believer's life. Let the way that God sees lead. And those around you will start to see that way too. It takes courage to live this way. But the key to life, the key to keeping the main thing the main thing is that tonight we fix our eyes on Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith and faith, all faith. So will you, In the next 30 seconds, just close your eyes. Bow your heads and clear the clutter. Just clear the clutter. Slow down the train. Stop moving so doggone fast. Stop living on adrenaline for just a second. Stop thinking about the bills, the kids, the husband, the wife, the job. how you need funding, how you gotta close the deal, how you gotta get the the contract. I know all of that's important, but not right now. All the things that have so easily entangled us and are weighing you down, clear the clutter. And now fix your eyes on Jesus. Is he able to do it? Does he have the power to do it? Does he have the want to to do it? Does he want you healed? Does he want you whole? Does he want you delivered? Does he want you free? Yes. Believe him. Fix your eyes on him. Attach your belief to him. Lean into him and rely on him. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now will you humor me for just a moment and I'll stand. Will you just please stand. And then as soon as you stand will you grab the hand of the person sitting next to you. If you want to you can come across the aisle. You don't have to but if you want to. And let's all touch one another. And let's have unity in this house. And look at me, you're here tonight, look at me. And it's Sunday night and you're not right. You might be totally distracted in your life and dismayed and disassembled. Your hope is decomposing. You feel the pride leaking back in feel the sadness returning, the pain is reoccurring, and and maybe you've never even walked with Jesus ever, and this whole thing is just a West Michigan religious thing for you, because that's what people do, but maybe, just maybe, you want this thing to be real, maybe for the first time, or for it to get back to life after a really long time tonight you got a hold of somebody's hand who loves you and you're saying "Hage, I'm not right with God I, I've never been right with God or I was once right with God but I made a left I got it, took a hit and made a left and it's not the hit that you can't get over it's the lie that came through the door of the hit that you can't get over and now you think you're too far gone and I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter how far gone you are his hand of grace can reach you and pull you back fold. You're the sheep of his hand. And you're here tonight and you're saying, hey, I want to get right. I want to walk with God for the first time or I want to come back to God after a long time. We're all going to pray But those of you who are in that condition, we're going to pray together to encourage you, but you make this your prayer and own it. Everyone say, Heavenly Father. Tonight's my night. I admit it. I've been going my own way, doing my own thing, living my own life. And I ask you to forgive me now. Cleanse me from all that. Make me whole. Write my name in your book of life. I want to follow you from now on. And Jesus, even if nobody goes with me, still I'm going to follow you. I will never go back to my old life my destiny awaits me and my past is gone in jesus name now don't let go of that hand you prayed that prayer you meant it you don't have to understand everything you just have to believe it pastor will teach you the reality of what you just did but you don't have to understand it you just have to believe it and then you'll come into understanding you prayed that prayer and you came to God for the first time or you came back to God after a long time if that was you I'm going to count to three when I say three I want you to gently squeeze the hand of the person that you're holding that means yeah that's me I say three you go that's me ready one two don't put this off you've been waiting for this your whole life three squeeze that hand squeeze it Getting right. I'm coming back. Man, I'm keeping the main thing the main thing. Squeeze that hand. Now, if someone squeezed your hand. I'm going to count to three one more time. If someone squeezed your hand, when I say three, I want you to just gently lift that hand to God. Ready? One, two, three. Lift it right now. Lift it. Lift it. All over. Leave it up. Leave it up. Leave it up. Leave it up. Sunday night. That's what the devil gets. Come on, somebody. Leave it up. And I'm going to count to three one more time. If someone squeezed your hand, I want you to say, come on, I'm going to go with you, and I want you to bring them right down here to me. Ready? One, two, three. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Right now. Don't put it off. Don't wait another second. This is the greatest day, the greatest prayer you've ever prayed. Come on, family. Let's give God some praise. Let's join heaven in rejoicing. Come close. Come close. look at me. I know I look a little scarier up close. Forgive me. Every sin, every mistake, every single mistake is gone. It's like taking a cup of water and throwing it in Lake Michigan and then going back and trying to find it. It's gone. It's thrown into God's of forgetfulness God will remember your mistakes your sins your misses that cause messes no more this is the greatest break you've ever got in your whole life now get ready pull the Popeye belt because the adventure begins amen somebody who can I send these precious people with Amen. See this lady in the yellow top? Will you guys follow her? Five minutes. We're going to give you a Bible. We're going to pray with you. We want to get you started strong. Just go with her, please. Don't talk yourself out of it. One more time. Let's give God some praise for the family additions. All right, Pastor Dwayne. Come on. I love you guys. I will see you next time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.